The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If I told you what, that, what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it. Hurling has to be the most difficult, eye-hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the bridesmaids of Hurling. Well, today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air, and then hit it. Boss! Boss of heart, ladies! Hello and welcome to the Hurling Podcast. This week's show is a review of the first three rounds of the Hurling League in which Wexford have had a comfortable win over Leash, a comeback win over Clare and a heavy defeat to Kilkenny at the weekend. We're joined by two Monagear men for today's episode, Wexford Today and Wexford GAA TV's presenter Peter Marna and the Hurling historian himself, Mr Edmund Rowson. So the big news in Wexford today is that Ed Rowson got his vaccine. Tell us about it, Ed. Are you recording me now? Surely am. <laughs> no, I just got the call this morning to go in and I, I, I went in at 10 to 5, so I missed the last 10 minutes of the Wexford match live, so I watched it back. So it was grand. I was in and out in 20 minutes, so it was grand. What, so I'm halfway you... to safety now anyway. Which one did you get? Pfizer. Very good. We're, we're all very proud of you here at, at the Hurling Podcast. That's why his internet connection is so strong, sure. <laughs> the 5G. That's it. <laughs> How are you, Peter? All good, lads. Uh, thanks for having me on for a start. Hopefully we'll provide some informative insight as we go along. Have you managed have you managed to get to any of the games, Peter? I was at the Leash game. I wasn't at the Clare game or the Kenny game, so I watched them the same as he. So I was I was at the Leash game, all right, yeah. What was the atmosphere like being there? Well, sure. It was it was, it felt fairly dead, really. It was obviously the first game back after a long time. And yeah, Leash were a little bit fairly disappointing, really. Um don't want to be overly critical of them, but they just didn't really seem that terribly enthusiastic about the whole thing. And it was really quite comfortable for, for Wexford. Sloppy enough hurling at times. It's improved over the last couple of weeks, I think. But um, I suppose after a long break, it was to be expected, really. But it was fairly practice match sort of a feel about it, really. I suppose the leash game, the um, the scoreline really flattered Wexford at the end. Like, I don't, as you said, leash mightn't have been that up for it, but... Jeez, they weren't that far off either. No, they weren't. It was the couple of goals there at the end. Yeah, Rory O'Connor got um, made a good run at the end, and Connor Hearn, of course, as well. Like that, those couple of goals made the difference. And um, was it just before half time? Mikey got the was it Mikey got the two of them where I was in the ground. I couldn't actually see who got the final touch on the on the goals in the first half. But yeah, like th- those goals came at a really important time, and it just sent Wexford far enough ahead that it, it nearly sort of killed the game from then on. Um, and it took Wexford until the last five or six minutes when they brought in 
uh, Lee Chin and Rory O'Connor, they sort of injected a, another bit of a go in the game again. And that's what really that's what really helped just finish off on a, on a high with a couple of goals. And I think they had a couple of other chances as well. So, yeah, it was the two the, the two goals um, late in the first half just sort of made it a bit of a, a dead rubber after that for much of the second half, I thought. And do we think that it matters that it's a dead rubber? Like, uh, especially the first game back against Leash. Did, did it matter, do you think, that it was a dead rubber? That, I mean, what were, what were you expecting from the game? Yeah, sure. You'd you'd be expecting from the game just that lads would be able to get back into the into the swing of things. Really, that's what I and and the fact that he was able to use the, the games and he's done it so far for Davy has done it so far for the first three games. There's I think there's nearly thirty lads, maybe even over it, have been used so far in the league, which is which is something slightly different than might have been in in previous years. But um, they got plenty from the game. I thought like Gavin Bailey won man of the match in that game. I think it was his first league game to have ever started, having been in the panel for a good while, and like he was really exceptional. He's he's gone well since as well. So like there's one example of something that was got from the game. Just just one simple thing that he's that you know there was a couple of players. Connell Flood was quite good as well. Like so there was a couple of options used, a couple of new lads used, and they performed well. Like so, um, he should know more a little bit about the depth in the panel as a result of uh, that game even, and as a result of the last couple of games against Clare and Kilkenny. Do you reckon, Peter, that Wexford can actually take something from today's game against Kilkenny? Yeah, um, yeah, it's difficult to know, really. Um, it's not that long since we've since we've watched it, and you know, it's difficult to analyze a game so quickly. But there is a bit to take from it. I think the one the one key thing really is that there was a couple of lads that didn't just quite maybe settle into it, um, making making silly mistakes. Maybe um, we saw the sharpness of the Kilkenny hurling maybe as compared to ours. Uh, I know that I know the couple of weeks off, or maybe a week, or ten days, or whatever they had, that they weren't able to train together might have made a bit of a difference. But um, we saw from today's game, like that, the Kilkenny hurling was that little bit sharper. When they play a, a thirty-yard pass, it was generally fairly accurate or fairly crisp. Uh, whereas the Wexford, uh, the Wexford short passing and and things like that didn't quite go as well as it would normally. So, um, what I'd be taking from the game is that there's there's still plenty to work on, but Again, it's good that we see we saw lads as well, like Paul Morris coming back into the equation there after an injury, and Sean Murphy the same. Um, so a small bit of game time for them, and um, possibly we'll see a little bit more of them against Antrim and Dublin as well. So um, whilst it wasn't a great performance, there's no doubt in saying otherwise, or there's no point in saying otherwise, but um, there are a few upsides to the whole thing as well. Should we be worried at the amount of freeze we're given? Like, I know TJ Reid is TJ Reid, but he scored 15 place balls today. Yeah, there was a, there's a lot of frees being given away in hurling in general, but today was 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 unreal, really. You know, 15 points from play. You must remember that Wexford won the 96 All Ireland, scoring 113. So TJ nearly scored that much from in, in the first half. He, he nearly scored that much from frees. There's a lot of frees being given away. You wonder, you know, uh, sometimes I know you come under pressure, but sometimes you're better off letting the lad shoot. Sometimes, you know, because. Uh, if you give a player like TJ Reid, Patrick Harvin, Jason Ford, if you give them time to settle, put down the ball, there's only one result every time, you know. So we are giving away way too many frees. Do you think, Ed, that you would, when it comes to free taking, would you would you take Patrick Harvin and TJ Reid in in your heyday, of course? Oh, in my heyday, oh, oh, definitely, definitely, Ben, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I, I I need the proper umpire though. 
We had it. We had a well-known umpire out in Monagiri, you know, and there was very little pressure on me taking freeze that time because if you got within the vicinity at all, it was it was white flag every time, you know. So that that was the secret to my success, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think most clubs have a have a lad like that. Yeah, well, we needed him as a linesman too, so we we needed two of them. So he wasn't a twin, you know. Yeah, just as you said on the freeze there. A lot of the frees that are given away seem to be sort of like just silly grabs of the arm or a small little tug on the jersey, and they are frees. Um, mm. Now, some referees let them go a little bit more. Column Lines is a little bit inclined to give those frees, whereas other referees might let them go and maybe half ignore some of them. But like a lot of them are not frees that really need to be given away um, at times. I know if a lad is running in on goal, there's maybe an argument for stopping them, but this grabbing of the spare arm or grabbing at a jersey just as a lad is going up to catch the ball. And, and these type of things are, are simple things that could probably easily be cut out. I, I think it is a bit of a habit um, that's developing um, that, could be, that could be certainly worked on. Yeah, well, I think... Uh, did do well, actually. Now, I don't know how you call it well, but they gave away three times. Liam Ryan pulled down TJ Reid. Lee Chin did it. Uh, Gavin Bay did it. They pulled down cynical fouls, but they made sure to do it outside the D, so not to give away the penalty or whatever. Yeah, and just going back to, do you remember the time TJ got one-on-one with Liam Ryan? We were very lucky that it was Liam Ryan that he was one-on-one with, you know. You couldn't think of a better defender to have one-on-one with TJ Reid. I thought Liam Ryan was very good today in a, in a very poor extra performance. I think uh, Liam Ryan and to uh, Rory O'Connor in patches was very, very good too. You say that about, about Liam being good on that occasion, and then you look at Billy Ryan's goal where he got in from... The side, and he he bet three extra lads to come in for his goal for the first goal. Yeah, true. I tell you, I, I watched Billy Ryan at hundred twenty one level, and uh, that was two thousand and seventeen, which is four years ago. I think that's a very serious hurler. Billy Ryan is. I, I saw him in an intermediate final against Tullerone, and he went out on Tommy Welch, and he had a magnificent second half. I think that man is very very underestimated. I can tell you. I'm open to correction, but was he a surprise starter in a big game on a debut as similar to Walter Walshed? I can't remember exactly yeah, now. Against Galway in the 218 Leinster final that went to a replay, uh, he was a surprise starter, yeah, and he scored two two very good points. But he's, he's gone huge, he is. He's a huge man. Of course, yeah, he's from Great Valley Cannon, and they've, they've produced a few great horrors like Adrian Ron and Eddie Brennan as well, you know. And just t- t- talking on, uh, on on the referee, I think he he felt the full uh, the full brunt of Davy's anger, which was audible over, over the microphone too. I think we, yeah. he was shouting that bollocks column out there at one stage too. And I like looking looking at the replay on that occasion. There was there was a Wexford lad pushed over, and then the Kilkenny lad got the ball. He was surrounded by four Wexford lads, and he just got the free for some reason. But I'm not going to go blaming the referee on today's performance. <laughs> I I think that I think GA Go or whoever is operating it might consider where they're putting their pitch side uh, <laughs> microphone from now on because uh, if you were apologising for every time you heard a, a bad word, we'll say um, they would have been they would have been flat out in the commentary box <laughs> apologising for it because we could hear nearly everything that was being said um, either by the Kilkenny side or by the Wexford side really at at yeah. the referee or at the players even we we heard a lot of. We heard a lot of angry shouting from management in at players, like instructing them to get back or to get forward or to that it's not good enough or whatever they're doing, you know. So it was a bit of an insight to, to listen back on the game as to what managers are saying to players during games. 
Yeah, it was interesting from that aspect, but I, I think I'd agree from a GA Go point of view, you might be uh, changing your microphone positions. That's not a new problem, lads, even with the crowd. Remember the 98 third game between Offaly and Clare? Remember what the Offaly goalkeeper said near the end? You know, He said, don't let that happen again. Take the effing head off him, he said. <laughs> and there was 58,000 at that match, so I, I don't think we can blame the lack of crowd for that. There's actually been a few incidents where you can hear managers shout, the players shout. Yeah, sometimes you just hear worse stuff coming from the crowd. Yeah, true. But we, we, we're, we're all used to it at this stage. So. so how do we get Rory O'Connor into the game more? Yeah, you must remember, like, Rory O'Connor scored three points in a row there today, you know, and uh, a lot of people won't realise, but Connor Brown, who's a serious hurler, he's the son of Angela Downies, who would be regarded as the greatest Kabogi player of all time. He man-marked Rory O'Connor after that and done quite a good job on him. But uh, Rory O'Connor has been Wexford's best player in the three league games. I know he only played in the Leafs game, but he was so exciting when he came on. I think he's Wexford's best player. I remember watching him in a trial, and it's a lesson for any young player. I saw him in a trial for the under-16 B team, and he was just outstanding that night. And uh, Francis Bourne from Ferns was there. His, his young lad was playing Cormac Bourne. Uh, from the Harriers, and we both said this dad is going to be something special. And it's an example for any young player that within one year he had played county minor and he had played in a senior county final for St. Martin. So don't rule out any young lad at 16, lads. He, he, was, he was on a trial for the B team. B team, yeah. I was at the trial. My nephew was on the, my nephew was getting the trial the same night down in Peter's College. So he wasn't a lot of or anything. No, no, God, no, no, no. I'd have given the advice that the Offaly goalkeeper had to give the, uh, if he had been hurled on him that night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly fond of the term, but Rory O'Connor has the X factor. Like, he's the most direct hurler and he's the one that Wexford need to get on the ball as much as possible. Yeah, well, he's definitely he's, he's Wexford's best player by by a long distance. You know, the Martins seem obsessed with playing him wing forward. If I was over the Martins, he'd be only playing either number eleven or number fourteen. And I can guarantee if he's playing them positions, one of those positions, the Martins will win the championship this year because he's unbeatable when he's on form. He has it all. One of, one of the problems getting back to the original question is how how would you get him on the ball a bit more? One of the problems is that. Like when he's in, if if he's in the forwards, we'll say inside the forty-five, the chances are the opposition are going to have outnumbered him, um, maybe two to one or whatever. And if if you're a Kilkenny defence and you have a spare man at the back, you're going to put him close to wherever Rory O'Connor is. There's that that's the reality of it, and um, that means that he's he's going to he's going to find it difficult to get on the ball as often. But what what is great is he only needs to be on the ball three or four times in a small little bit of space, and there's a very good chance he'll. He'll score. He'll score four out of four or four out of five or whatever chances he gets. So, um, like Kilkenny, Kilkenny have obviously some very, very experienced defenders, and and they'll they'll know how to how to target a target a, a talisman for the opposition, and it it it's it sort of plays into the hands of a defence as good as Kilkenny when they can sort of crowd out or they have the opportunity to crowd out in the forward line. So he'll get a lot of ball around the middle of the field, and he's brilliant at scoring it from there. So. So do you think then that changes when Wexford have like all of the big guns starting, like when you've got Lee Chin, Connor McDonald and Rory all starting that, you know, they can't exactly go just double up on one of them because like that was the problem when Connor McDonald started. 
and he was in full forward that all the opposition players were doubling up on any anytime they had a spare man back, it was always make sure it's it's on Connor McDonald. But now if you have got three in there, now the, I don't the three of them haven't had an awful lot of time together so far, and it's the league, so it's not something to worry about. But if does it change if the three of them start together? Yeah, and I'd even I'd even include Paul Morris in that as well. Um, you're talking you're talking about four very very good intercounty forwards. Um, that's no disrespect to the other guys that'll be filling out the other positions, but I think those four, um, with their talent, experience, and what they've already done, a proven track record, like um, if those four are together, as you say, it, it's very difficult then for a team just to keep the main man out of the game. Obviously, it's a bit harsh, but it probably has been almost a one man up show, one man show up front for us. Like when when Connor Brown went on Roy O'Connor today, I think we. We scored two points in the next 25 minutes, I think. You see, the problem now, Ben, is that if we meet, and please God, we do meet Kilkenny in the Leinster semi-final, Conor Brown is going to be marking Rory O'Connor now. So the trick is now... I'd say, yeah. Yeah. The trick is now, do you play him inside? If he goes inside, Conor Brown, does he follow him? That's that's, that's the thing, it's match-ups and mismatches and all this, you know. That's the way the game has gone now, you know, so... Yeah, I, I expect Conor Brown will definitely pick him up now. And I suppose in terms of our style of play, is that working to a player like Rory O'Connor's advantage? Does it, like We seem to start with short passing from the backs. And a lot of the time, you know, the puck out might go out to this evening, it was Shane Wreck. Then he, he hits it back into the middle, maybe to, to Liam Ryan. Uh, there might be one or two passes and then they lump it forward long but it was always Kilkenny's advantage kind of it could have been down into the channels where it was a Kilkenny man that was first to it or up into a group of maybe three or four players but Kilkenny had outnumbered the extra players was is that a problem is is, is that playing to our strengths I, I think it's a, it was a major problem today I don't think it's something that uh, Davey would be very happy about I don't think it's a plan of theirs I think they just got in the habit of doing it today for some reason that there was two or three passes as you say and from about 30 yards out then there'd be two or three passes and then someone would just launch it long and uh, the goalkeeper might as well have done that like um, whereas yeah. the short passes normally much more slick and running off the shoulder creating a bit of space a few hand passes bringing it into the half forward line area and letting someone like Rory O'Connor reach in give them the final ball, finish it off, maybe take on the defence. But um, th- there wasn't really much of that today because of, the, I said, it just got seemed to get stuck in a rut of just sending it long after the few passes were made. And Wexford are under Davy. They've been seen as like a defensive type, type of team because of the sweeper. But there's so much more space in... Our back line, when, this evening, when Kilkenny were launching a ball forward, they had massive pockets of space to run into. Who was it? He went. It was Bar- Bargain was finding massive amounts of space before he went off. He went off early enough. But when Wexford have the chances, they're not, they're not finding the same spaces up front. I think he was took off, Gary. He didn't go off. He wasn't. <laughs> he didn't, you were saying he went off. He was took off because uh, he got chances to score. I, I'm actually a fan of that. Like, I saw him hurling with Connolly before and He's a very good hurler, but uh, Cody wasn't waiting around today. And if you heard the comment at halftime, remember one of the Kilkenny selectors said, nail him, nail him. So that's the old Kilkenny back now. They don't want to beat you. They want to finish you. Oh, fair play to yeah. him. You know. He was finding the space, though. Oh, <laughs> and and Billy, Billy Ryan was too. 
Yeah, but Cody is only interested in white flags or green flags. If you're yeah, in the forward, Kenny, you have to score. You see, the other thing is as well that Kenny have some very classy players out around the middle, and I, I mentioned it there at the start, like their ability and it, it to do the simple things right has been Kenny's hallmark over the last twenty years. Like their ability just to do the simple things right, pass it accurately, pass it quickly, and move and they're the best at doing that and they did it very well which really helps create the space because the player that's running on knows there's a bit of space in front of him and knows that the ball is going to be right where he wants it like um now obviously the, all the top teams are able to do that but I, I just think Kenny are able to do that that little bit more accurately than every other team yeah, it was amazing yes. how much they dropped back and let us hit sharp pokeouts today yeah they I know just every let him does that but today it was much more than usual, I thought. And 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 let us bring the ball forward up onto up, up to our own 45, we'll say. And and then Wexford met that wall and had to send it long. You'll have to Connor in the full back line and take the puck outs and he can score then from the yeah. from the 40. You'll have to admit that Kilkenny, whereas they, they might they're obviously not near as good as they were, but they're still very, very good tacklers. They're very good at tackling, blocking, hooking, and, and they're exceptional on, in rooks and they're exceptional on the breaking ball as well. I thought that was a big difference. Parry Quelch, I know he got three points scored off him. He got on some breaking ball. When the ball would break, he was on it like a shot. And I've never seen him look as fit looking now. He's very, very fit. And he's Wexford might be lacking on tackling. Well, like Davy said it last year, you know, that they weren't putting in the same amount of tackles. But uh, I mean, the blocking and hooking, uh, Kenny are very good at that. Which, yeah. um, today was the first day now I noticed Wakes were very exposed at the back were they? Um, you know, Kilkenny had goal chances. Usually Wakes are tighter than that, like, you know. But of I course, you say. have to remember as well that how, how effective Kevin Foley is at playing a sweeper now. Obviously, Lee Mogg McGovern is well able to read the game as well, but mm. when you have someone as effective and as used to doing it as Kevin Foley, and then for him not to be there, can, I think it did, did disrupt Wexford a bit, but like Kevin Foley could be injured in the first five minutes of an important game, and he needs to have someone available to go in and do that job. So game time for McGovern doing that mightn't be a bad idea. Like, but it's just in terms of him getting used to it. Kevin has a lot more experience doing it. Do you think McGovern would be ahead of Sean Murphy for the sweeper role? I mean, yeah, it, it was initially Sean Murphy, um, yeah. and I thought he did a very good job at that as well. I was actually surprised when Kevin Foley in 2019 was was a sweeper because Sean had been so good, but then Kevin was was even better. Yeah, possibly yeah. so. It's like it's likely to be one of the three of them, but I, I just think on the basis of what we've seen from the three of them, I think Kevin is just probably the best at them. That again, the others are are good at it, but I just think Kevin is the best at it. He has that ability to score from this, from his own half as well, which is always a threat. And in fairness, Sean Murphy got a nice point in the near the end as well when he came in. Now he'd be a great addition going forward now that he was missing the first three games because yeah. he's a He's brilliant creative, creatively going forward. The problem with the sweeper, though, as we all have to admit, is... Your sound is gone, Ed. You may get the second dose of the vaccine, Ed. <laughs> can you hear me? We can, yeah, we yeah. can hear you. You were telling us about the problem with the sweeper. The problem with the sweeper, sweeper is that, you know, Conor MacDonald's goal, goal threat appears to be gone because of the sweeper, you know. The, like today against Clare down in Wexford Park, he was outstanding that day, you know, so... So there's there's problems with that as well, you know. It 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 balances itself out that you you'll you'll be good on one side and poor on the other side is the problem. We're not we're not a goal threat. 
They're having the same goal threat with the sweeper, you know. I think the, the, one of the, key, the main points about the sweeper is you need to be not conceding goals for it to be effective. And Wexford have been conceding goals. Well, today they, were, they conceded two, but they conceded a couple of other goal chances as well. So when does it become so much of a problem? Like, or if you keep conceding goal chances, does he does he forget about the sweeper? Does he change it up? Oh yeah, I know it's 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 a hard one to work out, you know. But you must remember that that I think Conor McDonald's goal threat is not what it was four or five years ago, and I I put that down to the sweeper. But Lucas, that that's the way we're playing at the moment. You don't see anyone play though with. You know, three in the full forward line. And so, if Conor McDonald was with another county, he wouldn't be able to play like that either. Like, you know. Yeah, I know the game. The game is changing before our very eyes, and we don't like it. But that, that is so true, Ben. Yeah, I still say that the the old Kilkenny team would bypass any sweeper system. The the one five or six years ago. Well, well, the the great advantage that team had, of course, is that they had probably the sixth best back unit of all time. Uh, if you have either Paul Murphy or Michael Kavanagh, Noel Hickey, uh, JJ Delaney, Jackie Terrell, Tommy Walsh, Brian Hogan, if you, you have six of six or seven of them lads in your team, uh, the chances are there's going to be at least four or five of them going to come on out on top in their individual battles. So you don't need an extra man there. But um, it'll be a long time, I think, before we'll see a back line as good as that ever again. And, and they had a couple of good forwards go with them. <laughs> they still drop back like that. Brian Hogan was playing quite deep. Like they were always dropping lads back. They didn't play an out and out sweeper, but like they were still dropping people back. Oh, so yeah. Owen Larkin at wing forward was often picking the ball up at wing back. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I've seen teams when they were at their, the peak of their powers, I've seen teams play sweepers. I've seen teams play three in the midfield and they were able to break through any system. They were a fantastic team. No argument here. The other thing as well at the moment, even though you wouldn't associate Kilkenny with a sweeper system, but when the opposition play a sweeper, they obviously have one themselves then. And Killian Buckley is probably the best of anyone to be able to do that. Like he, He's just marvellous at it for, for, for a team that you don't associate it with. When they, have to play that, when they have to play that way, they're as good at it as anyone. They've taken a few years to get up to speed with it, I think. Mm. I don't know. I think they're there now. We'll see. They're definitely contenders. Any team that has TJ Reid and Adrian Mullen in their lineup are going to be contenders because they're going to get enough scores to be in the game. But def- they're definitely contenders. I-, I wouldn't disagree with that. They're probably one the best team equipped to beat Limerick, and they, they have proved that twice. They, they had them bet in Torless, remember, the year Limerick won the All-Ireland, and the following year they beat Limerick in Crow Park. So they could be the best team equipped to beat Limerick yet. Yeah, I think Cork have a good chance against Limerick too. Just I think they've a good record the against summer, them, don't yeah. they? Yeah, well, I would have ruled Cork out of the equation last year because of the time of year the match was on. But I, th- I think this year they definitely have a chance. But that match against Tipperary, oh God, I'd make it cry the Tipperary Cork match. Back to the goalkeeper and all that. You know, I know Tipperary had lads back, but geez, it was hard to watch. You were demanding a rule change after that, Ed, were you? I'm demanding a rule change, yeah. I, I would have watched a lot more classic uh, tape car games. Oh, God, they were, they were a joy to watch. And, and that game, even though it was a draw, was painful, to say the least. So what rule change are you looking for? 
Well, that this thing is hitting the ball back to the goalie has to go anywhere. And sure, like there is an issue with the light ball. Let's let's be serious about it. Like you know, the, there's lads putting balls over the bar from hundred yards out that no one was doing years ago. Like you know, I have a different theory on that one. Ed. there was someone suggested there that pokeouts should have to go past the forty-five or sixty-five or something. Now, one of the problems with that obviously is if you're playing on a windy day in a junior B goal and you have some lad who's twenty-four stone who's been asked to tug out the last minute to play in the goal. That's a difficulty, but I think the ball is trapped. I don't know. Have I? Is there any evidence that the ball is lighter? Like, there's no. Everyone just see. It just seems to become there's a phrase. There's loads of evidence, Peter. I'll show you one. The old ones. <laughs> loads of it. Even, but even like ten years ago, we weren't talking about the ball being lighter. Like, like we'll say the ball is. I'd imagine the ball is probably lighter now than it was in 1970 or whatever. But like compared to 2010 to now, is the ball that much lighter? But it, it just seems to become an accepted thing now. I think it's just that players have got so much stronger. Hurls have got better. Uh, and the, the amount of practice that these lads put in and doing exercises specifically to strengthen their ability to hit the ball further and harder. Like, there's so much focus gone into things like that now that it, it's inevitable that the ball is going to travel further. And uh, the other thing that's seldom looked at as well is there's actually a rule that governs the width of a hurl. And it's 13 centimetres is the rule. Now, I just did a bit of a, a trial last week in the in the hurling field at the, the under 15 group. Um, and not one of the hurdles in that group would have met that rule if it was enforced. And none of the hurdles in our adult group. And I, I'm sure the same is in every club. It's a rule that's in the book. It's not supposed to be 13 metres or sorry, 13 centimetres wider at its widest point. And it's just a rule that's totally ignored. Hurdles are bigger. Sweet spots are bigger. And... When you add all those things together, it's inevitable that the ball is going to travel further. And how big are they? About 15 to 16, uh, generally. Um, it's at the widest point. It's not supposed yeah. to be any wider than 13. Now, look, at it's a rule that's obviously ignored. You can't, like, a referee, does he go around with a ruler in his pocket? Obviously <laughs> not, like. But, you know, it's just, and, like, goalie hurls are up over 20 in some cases. Like, there's no distinction in the rule between an outfield hurl or a goalie hurl. It just says any hurl shouldn't be any more than 13 centimetres wide at its widest point. Like, so that's just an example. Like, Ed has shown me the hurl that he used to score how many points he scored in the last time Monagir <laughs> won the Intermediate Championship as 10 or 11. And the hurl is only, the hurl is only, I'd say, about six or seven centimetres wide. And, like, the hurdles that we're using now are at least twice as wide. I wonder, are you going to open up a can of worms with this, Peter? And <laughs> every hurdler in the country will be giving out about you. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> Yeah, but it'll, be, it'll be happy that the back the game is back. I'm I'm just yeah. using that as an example of of how equipment has changed as well, you know. Yeah, but you see, I'm looking at it from a supporter's point of view now, you know. And uh, you take a short hook out, give it to a lad on the half back, and he drives it over the bar. That's great, but it's it's not great for viewing, you know. That's that's the point I'm making. Yeah. All all this stuff we grew up on, the clash of the ash, the manly stuff, and all. Even though I wasn't into that myself, but. Uh, that's, that makes for good viewing, like, you know, and the, the Tommy Dorn in the square and all that. And so, like, Ben's uncle, he's your uncle too, Gary, is he? Dave Burney. Yeah. So, like, Ben's going to 68 all Ireland from hitting the bloody ball into the square, like, you know. There's two ways yeah. looking at that, though, Ed, because yeah. if you make the ball heavier and it's harder to score from distance, you're going to clump up defences and there's going to be more sweepers and more defenders back making sure people like like a football game making sure you can't get the shot from 
inside the 65 because the only distance you can score from. Like, if you can score from your own 45, at least that's doing something to open up the game a little bit that, you know, if, if for example, Rory O'Connor came out to his own 45, picked up a puck out and put it over the bar, he's not going to be allowed to do it again. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know there's a lot of rooks in, 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 in Harlan now, you know, and they're not good for viewing. That's the point I was making. They're not good for viewing. You know, but there's a lot of... What Peter said is right too. There's a lot of very, very skillful hurlers in the game now. There are better strikers than what my age group are, you know, and, and maybe that's pay, playing a part in it too, but it's not good for viewing. I, I agree about the viewing point of view, definitely. There's there's no doubt like that. One of the, one of the best games I've ever seen is... It's on YouTube. Is the the Wexford Offaly '96 Leinster final? Like that was just a fantastic Absolutely. game, and yeah. it's it's nearly totally alien to the type of game that's played now. Um, but it was it was far more entertaining. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. I look at a few of the older games. You know, even even the the one Kerry were going for five in a row in football. If I'm allowed to mention football, if they had been <laughs> even one percent negative, did they won that match handy? You know, so so there's that in the two, like you know. Kerry would have made history if they had been negative. So, so you, you can have it both ways, I suppose. Like the short, the, short. the thirteen centimeters, because I, I actually think that's probably a good rule, because there's no need for lads to be going around with such big hurls. But God, are you really going to expect the ref to go around measuring hurls before a game? Like? Yeah. No, no, she wouldn't. It's it's probably a rule that's not enforceable because. You don't know how many times someone will throw in a different hurdle during a game to someone, and it'd be nearly impossible for a referee. Um, that I'm just saying that that that's in the book. I know it's ignored, and it's going to continue to be ignored. But um, it's just one of those rules that most people probably don't even know is there. Come on, Ireland final day, the referee will come out with a measuring tape, and every every player will have to get new hurdles. <laughs> That'll make an interesting final. I'm sure it's not even that long ago that lads, all the players didn't even have a grip on their hurl. Like, you know, it's just everything has gone so much. Ed'd tell you more about when grips came in than I would. <laughs> Go back, Peter. Oh, God, I remember uh, lads used to be getting jeered if they had grips on their hurls, they weren't the men at all. And <laughs> you, you, dare, you, dare, you dare not bring three hurls to a championship match. That's, uh, uh, there's plenty in the bag, that's say, uh, you know. <laughs> now we've got four hurls, which is which is proper order too, you know. You're actually yeah. not if you think about remember a couple of years ago, if it was particular one I remember when Rory O'Connor the ball was thrown in between Rory O'Connor and Nickel Kenny Man. And Rory pulled, Nickel Kenny Man stepped in front and Rory just broke his hurl because he pulled and he got yellow card for it. You've just yeah. uh, you've just drawn attention to my biggest pet hate. It happened in it happened twice in Outer and Gory the semi-final this year. Uh the throw in. threw in the ball. One lad decided to throw in his leg, another lad decided to pull on it. The lad who decided to pull on it got a yellow card. It's the most ridiculous effort of refereeing. Any referee that does that, I immediately turn against them in my mind. Like I, I just <laughs> think it, it, it's just it's just dreadful decision making. Obviously, if someone is pulling two feet above the ball or whatever, obviously that's a foul. But when someone is making a genuine attempt to play the ball. And the other guy decides to put his ankle in the way. Like that's that's the guy who puts his ankle in the way. That's his problem. Like, especially for a throw ball, throwing ball. Like you were you were commentating on that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I remember. I, I was fairly pissed off with myself. I just thought, like, what's the point in throwing? Like, what are you what are you expecting the players to do here? 
yeah, like when you're throwing the ball as a player, you're expecting to pull on it, like, and you're expecting just to try and get a little flick on it or you're trying to move it on or whatever. And when one guy decides to go his ankle in the way and you get a yellow card for it, it just feels like yeah. the biggest injustice of 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 a game, like. There was history made that night. You'll have to yeah. tell me what it is. Enlighten us. Yeah, we, we, we were accused, uh, Tom Dempsey and me and you were doing commentary and we were accused of being pro-Eulers. I'd say it's the first time in Morning Gear, lad, and Buffers Alley that we're ever accused of that. Well, Ed, now you posted uh, a program, a paper cutout of a game where Morning Gear were joined up with Eulers. Only, only today, I think, you posted that on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> we had to give him a hand. We had to give him a hand. You know? <laughs> yeah. We were with Ferns too, as well, Ben, in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. you're still Ferns. The address would be Ferns, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right, Ben. Yeah, I'm very fond of Ferns. Lo- lovely tip shops in all the time, you know. <laughs> Take that as a compliment. Oh, definitely, Ben. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've had three games and we've had three different goalkeepers. Is Fanning still the number one, do you think? Oh, I, I, I'd be certainly picking him number one without doubt. I, I, I'd say um, I don't think there'd be many to disagree with me either. Uh, the other two guys did well. Uh, James Lawler made a very good save today again. Um, he did well. I thought Seamus Casey did very well against Leash. I was actually um, I was actually behind him in the goal in the first half for some of the half. I moved around the field as the game was going on. Um, we were doing a, a bit of um, we were doing a bit of video on there for a secret project. But uh, I so I was behind him in the goal. I thought he did very well uh, for a guy who was making his first. His first uh, real important start in the goal for Wexford, I thought he did really well. Um, so I'd have no major fears if Mark got injured, but I obviously hope he doesn't. Uh, I think he's definitely still Wexford's number one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, like to be fair, Seamus did very well in the first game. James Lawler did very well today. I actually thought a lot of his pokeouts were very good, but even Mark from play uh, against Clare, like he came up the field at some stages and hit some great crossfield balls that resulted in scores. I think, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I'd say he's number one still. We haven't played well, really. We played well for 10 minutes against Clare, we, we say, against 14 men. But And we didn't play well last year in the championship because of, it's clear, fairly clear to everyone that it was a timing issue and they didn't get the timing of the training right. And we're not playing well now, but it's not. we're not in championship time, so it's not as important. Would you think, Ed, that maybe... The reason we're not playing well is because we are going to get the timing right this year and peak at the right time, or are we just not playing well? Look, uh, everyone knew at the start, the, the league was always going to be glorified practice matches. For God's sake, there, there's there's nothing at the end of it. So it was only a matter of, uh, of managers. You see Galway were on a roll and, and they made eight or nine changes against uh, Tipperary. So you can't judge by the league on Farsi. If you were judging by the league, well then Limerick are gone for this year, like, you know. And we we all know Limerick are major major contenders. So I wouldn't read too much in, in into the league. But today was a worry. We have to admit that today was a worry. We weren't good, as you say, we weren't good for fifty five minutes or sixty minutes of the Clare game. The sheer brilliance of Rory O'Connor turned that game, and. Uh, I think if he hits form in the Leinster Championship, we have a chance. 50-50, no more. Yeah, I suppose the biggest worry is that 
like the, the two games before the league were that Wexford played were last year's championship against Galway and Clare, and we were so flat in those games. And there hasn't been, I mean, I know we bet Clare and we bet Leach by a lot, but I don't think the performances have been there. And the passing for me is very flat. It's slow. Sometimes the the their loop, loop and hand passes rather than a direct ball. And for me, that's the worry. Because, you know, again, last year it was, was it October, November. You could give the weather uh, a bit of a bit of a reason behind it too, but today I don't I don't think could have could have had better weather, and still the the passing is not sharp. Yeah, I think it really stood out today. I don't want to be harping on about it, like, but the Masters at it generally are Kenny, and it stood out today the difference between the crispness of that type of a a thirty yard pass, knowing that it's going to go into lad at at head height or shoulder height, a, a perfect ball, whereas. Wexford guys seem to be maybe reaching when they're on the receiving end of a ball. They seem to have to reach that little bit more or they seem to have, it seems to be taking an awkward bounce just in front of them or they have to be reaching up with the hurdle. It, it just seems like it's nearly there, but just not quite as where it needs to be to be to be performing really, really slickly. Yeah, and at the same time, if that is sharp and come championship, then it should should be a lot better of a spectacle from a Wexford point of view like even one or two of the occasions today when it did work when the passes were sharp there were some very nice moves and some good scores they have been missing a lot of players for these league games as well so like even though lads are not sharp right now we're we haven't got a full squad of players and a lot of players playing their first game I think yeah I think I think in fairness Ben most teams are not showing their full hands you know, even Kilkenny today were probably missing a good few like Connor Delaney and Richie Lahey, Mark Keown, and you could say Richie Hogan as well, like and Walter Welch. So you know, every every team has missed a few, including Limerick and Galway. You know, but I think I think Davy should be very pleased, and Wexford overall should be very pleased with the way some of the some of the the newcomers have performed. Like I thought, Connor Hearn has done very well in in the. In the time he's played, I think Gavin Bailey has been very, very good. I think Connell Flood has performed very well as well. Um, what other newcomers have we? I suppose Mikey Dwyer is not a newcomer, but even today he was chasing down a lot of lost causes. It didn't really fall from on the scoring side of things, but you know, there's been plenty of game time for for guys there, and I think some of the newcomers have been have been reasonably impressive enough. Yeah, there's Glenn Malone there as well, who, who got his first game today. Connor Devitt is back into into the fold. He he was away for a few years. I don't think things went great for for Connor today, but I think when he came on in the other games, he did he did quite well. Um, but Jazz, you said Gavin Bailey was man of the match in his first game himself and Flood at the two wing. I know Flood was there last year as well, and ba- Gavin Bailey was in the panel last year. But the two of them, I thought, were very good at wing back in the in the first game. And it's a position, you know, when you're missing Sean Murphy at the moment. Now he's back now, but Paddy Foley got out with the panel as well. So it is there's a slot there for somebody to step up into. Yeah, I think Flood will feel that. I think Flood and uh, Paddy Foley is lost. There's no doubt about that. And, and I think the biggest loss with him is is his height. You know, you're playing against Kilkenny. You've TJ Reid, you've Walter Welsh, Billy Ryan. They're all huge men. So it's very important to have huge men on them. So that's why I see Paddy Foley as, as a really big loss. But I think Flood will, will feel that. And, and if I'm being honest, I think Flood should have been nearly on the team last year with now, you know. I think yeah. he's quite a good player. Of course, you can't beat the bloodlines, that's 
and his father and grandfather were, were outstanding players and he can't be if it works for Jim Bulger and them horse racing trainers it surely works for Wexford or Hurling too be and careful where we're going with this now Ed dangerous territory alright why, why is that selective breeding <laughs> yeah. right come out there no, 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 no. Um, the, the two of you now would have been at, I'd say, as many games as you, you were able to make of the club championship last year. Are there any other players that you would think should have deserved a shot in the panel at the moment? Yeah, well, you know, Jack Cullen is an obvious one, but he, he pulled out, but... Uh, he, and more. he would have been the perfect replacement for, for Paddy Foley as well. He has the height. Exactly. Yeah, I thought last year like uh, the likes of Owen Moore was very good, but obviously he wasn't available. But uh, Kevin Sheridan from Owlert was very good. And, and there was a lot of players very good last year in the club championship. We must realise that uh, the step has never been as big from, from, you know, the days of Gary Dorn playing well for Asking Moore and being brought into the county panel of a Monday, they appear to be over, you know. So, so it's a big jump now from club to intercounty. The other, the other thing I'd just say on that as well is obviously I agree with Ed. Like Jack Cullen and Kevin Sheridan were were very good, definitely. But the other thing I just say is we often hear is, oh, why is this lad not in the county panel, or why is that lad not in the county panel? Like the commitment is so big now that even if they're even if they're doing something like shift work, it might be something that might cause them to miss two or three training sessions in a week, and it mightn't be just something a particular guy is not able to commit to. So we don't really know who Davey might have asked who who was, wasn't was able to commit or um, who just felt that they, they didn't, they just wouldn't have been able to give it their all. Like, so I'm not saying that's the case for Jack or Kevin. I don't know what the story is there, but I, I just yeah. in a general, a general point, like that we don't, we don't know who's been asked and who can't be, commit to what's needed really. Um, yeah. oh, Shane Lawler is another guy now, just uh, Shane Lawler from Ratnior. He has the speed, he has the strength that's needed. Um, perhaps he he's a guy that could be looked at at some stage. Maybe maybe I don't know what age he actually is. He's probably twenty five or that is he? Oh, twenty five, yeah. So yeah. maybe that's something that should have been done four or five years ago. Maybe, but again, like he's a guy that impresses me a lot. Um, when he when he plays for Rat Newer. I know obviously Intercounty is a big step up, but the speed he has, the speed he has is a great asset. Obviously, two more games left in the league. Going to. Antrim next week and Dublin the week after like do you, would you call it we should be getting more close to the championship team looking at those games the next two particularly the Dublin game as it'll probably be the last chance before championship would we see like do you think we'll be actually see close to a championship team against Dublin at least yeah I, I'd, ima- I'd imagine so we'll have to be getting close to it you know it's, a, it's, a, it's the last chance and we're, we're obviously not going to win the league now even though you probably can't win it unless you meet someone in the Leicester Championship but uh, you know um, Antrim have been training people forget Antrim have been training a month or two longer than us because with their restrictions they were allowed train long before us so that's going to be a bit of a battle and I have to say I was impressed with Dublin today against Kilkenny for long periods of the game so, so it's it's not a foregone conclusion that we beat Bottom, anything like it. Dublin have some very, very good players, and that Owen O'Donnell is one of the finest players in the country. I think the Antrim game is going to be very tough to go up there. 
how long it's going to take lads three four hours all of them driving up very hard to get a result up there yeah no i don't know what way they're uh, as far as i know they should be allowed to stay overnight in hotels up there possibly that's my what they do get single rooms and stay up there um that might help the cause i don't know what the plans are but i think that's something they can do when they're going to belfast or antrim obviously um they can in do terms it there, the team, I suppose they can do it in Antrim. Possibly so, yeah. Um, so I'd imagine that that's what they'll do, maybe to try and cut to to prevent that being a problem. But in terms of the team, yeah, you'd be probably you'd imagine that he for the last two games now he, he'll be trying to pick a team a little bit more similar to what the plan is for the championship. So I'd expect to see maybe Mark Fanning back in the goal. I'd expect to see Kevin Foley starting as a sweeper. I'd expect to see uh, Connor McDonald starting as well. There's a few positions there, maybe that mightn't be nailed down yet there's never really a nailed down position but there's a, a few positions that we've had different guys in um, we've had Simon Lunahoo playing centre back we've had Matthew O'Hanlon playing centre back we've had different guys playing corner back we've had different guys playing wing back and wing forward and uh, maybe there's a corner forward spot or two as well so I, I'd say he'll try and certainly get the spine of the team right um, the championship spine of the team for the for the next couple of games maybe I'm wrong on that um, but I'd say that might be the plan maybe for the next two games yeah, well, I'd say definitely for the Dublin game. I thought Antrim game might be the last chance of getting people game time that need game time. But you'd have to think that the Dublin game is really the one that he needs to have things set of what, what's actually going to happen. Or then does he want to give away what he's going to do either? Who knows? Now, before we go, lads, uh, a couple of housekeeping issues we need to take care of. We understand there is a dispute going on over the removal of Ed Rousham as a selector on the Monagir Junior Hurling team. Would you like to give us your side of the story, Ed? It was done in cold blood, Ben. <laughs> Any more to add, no? No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not allowed. I'm legally not allowed to comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know much of this situation, Peter? Um, <laughs> uh, Ed did a great job for the four the four years he was a manager of the second team, um, and it's a pity he didn't go on for the fifth. <laughs> sure, Kerry and Kenny couldn't even do five in a row. How would Ed Rousen do it? We have a good crew taking over now as well, so hopefully, hopefully things uh, will go well. Be a big improvement. <laughs> hopefully, is all I say. Yeah. You got very excited, Ed, when Wexford beat Clare in 2014. You got very excited running onto the pitch. Do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, to tell the story properly, I have to go back 10 days before that match. As you remember, that was a that was a replay against Clare. Wexford were were drawn against Clare and they were training in Eulert, in the bottom pitch in Eulert one Thursday night. And I went over to see it, you know. And I realised Wexford are going to win this match. I know by the way they're even training, they're coming to the ball, you know. The same feeling I got when Wexford beat Waterford in 03 and when they beat Kilkenny in 04. I was one of the few people in Ireland to talk Wexford had a great chance against Kilkenny in 04. But Tomas Codd from St. Martin's is a selector and he's over talking to me. And of course, this expert comes over uh, that we all bump into from time to time and he says to me and not realising that Tomas Codd is beside me who's a selector he says well Eddie he says uh, 
How much are we going to get bet by next Sunday? I said, I don't think we're going to get bet. And he started telling me how good Clare were. Clare had won under 21 and all this. So now I'm really fired up. I'm, I can't wait for Wexford to beat Clare, you know. And uh, we got a draw down in Ennis and went to a replay. So for the replay, I was sitting where I usually sit, right behind the Clare dugout, or the, yeah, the dugout. And uh, there's this lad behind me, and no matter what Jack Guiney or Harry Keogh does, he starts criticising them. So he's really giving me the hump, you know, no matter what they do. And if you remember, the two of them were outstanding that day. So now I check my clock, and I realise that there's only a minute left. Jack Guiney gets a free to pose three points up. So I realised we're going to win the game. So all of a sudden, I'm on the sideline. Don't ask me how I got onto the sideline, but I'm on the sideline when he's hitting the free. So uh, I run in, and of course, everyone is 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 drawn to Jack Guiney because he's the he's the the hero of the hour, so to speak, you know. So I'm after losing the yard and pace that I never had, and I ran in, and of course, the whole crowd converges on Jack Guiney and Podge Storm. So now there's hurls swinging everywhere because they're pushing and jumping on him and everything. Next day I feel I'm after getting hit in the nose. And my lights went out like I just said, did I really get hit there? So I put my hand up to my nose and now I'm covered in blood. So uh, Dave guy in here, I remember, comes over to me and he says, what happened to you? What happened to you? I says, your son is after flattening me with the hurl. Well, he says, uh, at least now, Eddie says, at least you can always say you spilled blood for your county. I says, yeah, but I didn't expect it to be like this, but I was going off the field, uh, and I'm not being paranoid, but everyone is looking at me, you know, and they're saying, what happened that lad, you know? And Gammy O'Connor, the physio, comes over, and he says, what happened, Jade? I said, Jack Green, he's had to burst me with a hurry, you know, accident. So he says, come on, I try and stop bleeding. I was spouting at this stage, and I know my nose is broken, so he's spouting it, so he gets me to sit down, and he's trying to stop the blood, and if I wake your jersey on me, and these clowns come over and they think I'm after being playing in the match and they start talking me on the back. <laughs> they make a lot worse. So all I can say is uh, for all them young lads out there that's wanting to be the hero of the hour, uh, I've seen up close now uh, what happened Jack Guiney that day. Might be what's all cracked up to be at all. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny at the time. <laughs> Nearly forgot the, some of the quick fire questions actually. Ed, in your time watching Wexford, who's the best Wexford player you've seen? Well, sure, look, there, there's had to be so many, you know, and, and I'm not dodging the question. There's had to be so many, but two players, two or three players stand out, you know, like the, the Liam Dons and the Larry O'Gormans. But for, for me, as a young lad growing up, like Mick Jacob and Tony Dorn, I'd find it very hard to separate the two of them because they were just outstanding. And I'll, I'll actually answer the question if you like, lads. Damien Fitzhenry for me. Oh, <laughs> of course, of course, he's one of the. You can't, how can you name the best player? No, ever? Yeah. yeah. Just, just, like, just like Peter did there. Yeah, I know, yeah, but look at who he's leaving out as well. Like, I'm a lot younger, of course, as well. <laughs> issue yeah. with the question, Ed. What? You have an issue with the question? No, I just, I just, think, I just think it's very hard to name. Like, like we witnessed one of the, the greatest hurling geniuses today, like TJ Reid, and up in Kilkenny, the rate him as third best in Kilkenny, so how, how, do you, how, how do you compare, like, you know? All right, we'll go both as again. Ed, first, what's the best game you've ever been at? Hurling game now, I don't want, I don't want a football game now that you were bringing it up earlier. Well, 
the game that I keep watching back and back and back, and it's, it actually holds me at the end with the 93 Leinster final was the best game I ever saw. The drawn game between Wexford and Kilkenny. I had everything. Peter? Um, the best performance I was ever at was the Kilkenny 2008 All-Ireland final performance against Watford. But the best game I was ever at, I think, was the Kilkenny and Galway All-Ireland semi-final 2005. Wasn't it 518 to 418 to Galway? Nice. By the way, um, yeah, no, um, your man Jared Farrer scored two goals and Niall uh, Healy scored three. But by the way, Kilkenny lost that match that day, and this Kilkenny supporter shouted out, he says, Cody, I never rage as a hurler, and I don't rage as a manager. How <laughs> <laughs> right day, is he? And that was DJ Carey's last game, and I thought Hurling would never replace him. Kilkenny won eight out of the next ten All Ireland. <laughs> Oh, it just shows you you can be dumb out, lads. <laughs> actually, that, that 2008 game, Peter, I actually had made a bet on Henry Shefflin to outscore the Waterford team at 50 to 1, and he wasn't far off it. Ed, what type of hurl did you use? Oh, Randall. Heavy, heavy hurl. 36 and a half. And what width was it? It was a lot less than 13 inches anyway, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same. Uh, we have the Albert Randall there. And have you measured it, Peter? Yeah, it's about 15 centimetres wide, so I'm breaking the rules the same as everyone else. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. <laughs> now, Ed, this one is just for you. Yeah. If you had to give the nod to one man in Wexford ever who's a better free taker than you, who is it? There's loads of lads from Exeter who are better free-takers than me, but for Paul Codd, without a doubt. Paul Codd and Ned Bogey were the best two free-takers I ever saw in Exeter. And Peter, if you were to give the nod to someone who was better than Ned... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would have said Paul Codd. If you're looking for a current guy... I'm looking for a Mona Gearman. Sorry? Looking for a Mona Gearman. Oh, you're looking for a Mona Gearman to take a free? Better than Ned. Better than Ned. Just better than Ned. There's there wouldn't be too many in fairness now. There wouldn't be there wouldn't be any any I'd say. Um I was just going to say in, in the county, um if I if I if it was for my life uh with current players I'd go with Joe Coleman. Yeah. Gentleman. Joe's lovely chap. Good man at sideline too. He sure is, yeah. Now, what's the best intercounty goal you've ever seen it? The best intercounty goal I've ever seen. There's three of them stand out, John Fenton's Jimmy Barry Murphy's. The best one I ever seen was DJ Carey against Offaly in 94. The one where he tapped it on the ground and sidestepped his man and buried it in the net. I thought it was a fantastic goal. You, Peter? Um, yeah, my memory wouldn't go back maybe as far. Obviously, DJ got some great goals, but you'd find it, goals are all different, but you'd find it very, very hard to beat Richie Hogan's goal in the Leinster final last year, the way he took that ball down, flicked it around the goalkeeper and and, yeah. and then back back in, into the net like that. It's very, very hard to compare goals, but that was really right up there, I think. Wasn't bad, all right. Class. It was class. Just the, the calmness under pressure. Yeah, it had everything, the skill, composure. And and his goal where he took it against uh, Tipperary where the ball came across to him into the the hill the hill end. Can't remember what I don't know what year where he took it on the hurdle and into the far top corner. Two thousand and eleven. Twenty eleven, yeah. yeah. Actually, Paddy Stapleton was only on Parkinson's podcast the other day saying if he had a 
He used to use a 35, I think. But if he used a 36-inch hurl, he would have, he would have stopped him. The funny thing about that, I learned I was at it, and we were sitting beside, uh, he claimed to be Paul Murphy's brother, but he told us that we were saying Paul Murphy is uh, going to be man of the match, and he said, well, he couldn't get a ticket for last year's All-Ireland. He had to watch it at the last. So, again, like Rory O'Connor, things can happen in a year, lads. That is true. Sometimes their lads are just, they're talented enough, but they're not putting in the effort or whatever it is. Oh, well, he was only a young man, though. He was only a young man at the same. Yeah, sure. Well, Paul Murphy was... Whatever he was. Paul Murphy was a great hurler. I, I think it doesn't suit him, the new style. Maybe not, but he was he was a fantastic hurler when he was at, at the peak of his powers. One on one, and 50-50 balls, like, that suits him. Brilliant. Master, there's been so many stars in the game, lads. And before we go, again, most important question, Ed, who is your favourite ever player to play for the Fern St. Aidan's GA Club? Oh, well, sure. My favourite player to play with Ferns would be the same age as me. I think he's only a few weeks older than me. I thought Parik Dunbar was an outstanding player. When he was when he was underage, I thought I thought he had no equal. When he was 17, 18, if if you remember, you know, you must remember that people 17 are not allowed to play adult now. He was centre back on the Ferns senior hurling team when he was 17. He was he was brilliant. I remember a point he scored against Duffy Rowers and Gory. It was it was it was a real Tony Keady point. He was brilliant. And Peter. Who's your favourite player from Kilrushask Morgie Club? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've you've certainly had uh, you've certainly had some very good players at the moment. Um, again, my memory wouldn't go back as as far as Ed's on that score, um, but there's just something class about PJ Nolan that uh, whether it was for Wexford or or for Kilrushask Moore, he was he was obviously very good. Thanks very much, lads, for for joining us. Yeah, thanks William for that, lads. Damien Fitzhenry is the best of what he did to ever play with. Unquestionably the best he ever was. My God, he was just so good. A magician. Just in the 15, uh, nine brothers and five sisters. They just took you in the goal then. Yeah, well, uh, a, a so-called goal, uh, two tar barrels. Damien Fitzhenry was the best goalkeeper I ever played, but you know, I'd say, say that. Damien Fitzhenry is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. So I'd probably, like, I'd probably say Damien. So we hope everyone enjoyed our podcast with Edmund and Peter. We enjoyed talking to him, had a bit of crack. Uh, unfortunately, Shane Tompkins couldn't make it. As he said, he has absolutely no respect for anyone from Mona Gear. Did you know about that guy? Had he said something like that to you before? I hadn't, no. No, I hadn't heard that one, Ben. Might be a bit of siege mentality as we as we drew Mona Gear in the in the intermediate championship. Maybe, maybe. He never he never specified why or anything. But uh thanks everyone for listening. And thanks to the Endoscorty Credit Union. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Don't forget Wexford go up to Antrim Saturday, three PM. Thanks for listening. Take care. Welcome, I like to thank you.